What up, y'all? It's your boy, Jasmar, and welcome to a bonus episode of The Great Overthinker. Now, season one ended earlier in the summer, but there were a couple episodes that didn't make the season, and I want to share those with you now. In the first episode that I'm sharing with y'all, I got the opportunity to talk to Rikay and Brad, who were engaged at the time, and we were talking about going beyond dating, specifically within the queer community. We recorded this episode on the last day of Pride, so there's some Pride talk in there, and you know, and it was just a good conversation. So part of it is them sharing just their love story and how they got to that point, and also them just sharing some gems regarding dating and, and how to go beyond that. And it's cool because as I'm, you know, getting ready to release this episode, I found out that they actually tied the knot, tied the knot officially. So congratulations to them. And, you know, it's all love. It's all beautiful. So congratulations. I hope y'all enjoy this episode and I hope everyone else listening enjoys the show as well. So here's our first bonus episode with Rikay and Brad. Today we have two great gentlemen coming in from the East Coast, D.C. They just came from there, and they're going to talk to us a little bit, and I'll let you, you know, introduce yourselves. But welcome to the show, Brad and Rick Kay. How y'all doing? Good, 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 good. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having us. So now we're just going to get into who are you? Who is Rick Kay? Who is Brad? So uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, and you can say whatever you want. I, I don't have any specific questions for that. <laughs> All right, Brian, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, you know what? It's always funny because uh, I always suck at this, like the whole self-introduction of myself. Of, of myself. But I'll give it a go. Um, you know, Dr. Brad McCray, I actually have a PhD in management, specializing in leadership organizational change. Um, what else is about me? Capricorn. I like yes. long walks on the beach. <laughs> um no, I, I am an avid gamer. Um, so usually, if I'm not busy doing work or in the gym, I am playing video games. Um, right now, just started playing Anthem on Xbox, which is actually pretty dope. I know it's an old game, so don't shoot me. But um, I just found it, and I actually like it. Um, but besides video games, like I said earlier, I do go to the gym quite regularly. Um, started getting into the whole bodybuilding fitness wave and it kind of just stuck with me. Um, so outside of that, um, you know, I'm from LA, uh, pops was in the military. So I traveled around the world growing up. Uh, I lived all over this world and, um, my last stop was Albany, Georgia. Uh, so I went to middle school, high school, and undergrad at um, Albany, in Albany, Georgia. Left Albany in 2013, no, excuse me, 2008. Moved up to Atlanta, so I was in Atlanta a couple of years. Then moved back to LA uh, in 2011. And then in 2013, I met Rikay. Uh, and in 2018, we both packed up our things and moved to D.C. to uh, start a new chapter. Nice. When you were traveling uh, with your dad and family, what was your favorite place that you, you lived in? So the favorite place I lived in had to be um, Okinawa, Japan. 
and we were only there for three years and i was i was a kid it's like i was maybe like nine ten give or take something like that um but i remember because you know in okinawa there's um there's a bunch of military bases and on that island it's a very small island you can um drive around here in a couple hours um but I remember that you know, living on base, everything was Americanized. Like we had um, schools, the schools were ran by the DOD. We had gyms, pools, you know, everything that you would see in a regular city. But as soon as you get women out the gate, it was like you are in a different country. Uh, everything was um, in you know Japanese. I do remember that there was this one chicken teriyaki spot right outside the gate that my dad would take me to all the time and they had the best chicken teriyaki and rice hands down nice that's what's up oh, man. <laughs> I, I need to go i mean i need to travel more i'm supposed to go to ghana at the end of the year so got gotta save up for that because it's expensive but hey, ricky was in ghana uh what, two years ago yeah but ghana's awesome you love ghana so yeah, so tell us who are you, Rikay? Uh, Rikay, Rikay. Um, I am a black gay male from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> I am the eldest nice. of ten siblings, so um, that kind of running things and leadership things is just something that's uh, always been innate in me. <laughs> it's just something I cannot yeah. shake in general. But a little about me in general. Um, I like Brad very. Um, high up on the education chain, currently in the PhD program as well myself. So I'm in my dissertation phase, actually um, writing my dissertation on African-American vernacular English. So Abby, for those of you who actually know what that um, acronym is, but and how that affects foreign language learning for black students in the high school space. So um, very much still very deep into the education spectrum, both in K through 12 and higher education, um, getting ready to open up uh, a charter school here in Maryland. So actually, getting re- I'm currently a new co-founder of a charter school. We'll be the first charter school in Charles County and Charles County, Maryland. So I'm running, I'll be the director of international education for that program. So that has been my life recently, <laughs> just kind of getting everything get, geared uh-huh. up for getting that school together. Um, like Brad, I'm a lover of everything, travel, um, mental health, uh, and yoga, like music and R&B in general. <laughs> so those are some of the key aspects I will always kind of describe about myself. Um, I, as I mentioned, born and raised in Chicago, but I've lived in almost every major city within the U.S. So lived in New York, lived in Atlanta for a few years. And I went to Clark, um, lived in L.A. for six years. Now I'm in D.C. So did a lot of like bounced around after I graduated or after I left home in general. So very big on the uh, get up and leave home <laughs> tip and travel and go see other things so you can wow. form an opinion outside of your own and look into different worldviews outside of your own. But um, yeah, it's a little bit about me, I would say. Cool. So now we're going to get into the, the overthought. But before, you know, obviously we're on the great overthinkers. So do either of you consider yourselves overthinkers or not really? Oh, I can, uh, I'll go first. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, simple answer. Yes, um, I overthink. I overthink things all the time. That's um, actually. I was just having a good talk with one of my friends about this earlier today. Um, I think that's one of my best and worst personality traits. Um, I'll say best because it actually goes well with my job. I am a finance consultant, and one of the things that I do in my role is a lot of project management. 
So I have to think and think four or five, sometimes six steps ahead just to make sure that if something goes wrong, I have contingency A through Z lined up. That's a good thing. On the bad side, um, I tend to overthink a lot to a point where I actually make up, um, I would say, fictitious arguments or probably the wrong thoughts that pop into my head when they shouldn't be because I was overthinking something that, you know, for example, Rakei might not even have thought about. So, Mm -hmm. long story short, yes. I've been there. I do that all the time. <laughs> all the time. That's why we have this show. What about you, Rick? Um, I would say to an extent, I would say there's definitely things that I definitely do a lot of overthinking about. And it's more oftentimes in a like very detailed format based. Like I'm very like organized and detailed in a way that I need like everything like perfectly laid out in a sense. So and that aspect I definitely think I'm a part of the overthinking category of people. But in some areas, I definitely feel like I've gotten more lax and kind of unlearned some of those aspects about myself because they have have, led to very bad places. So (laughs) trying to walk myself Mm -hmm. out of some of those spaces and overthinking, especially in regards to our relationships and not like assume that my ultimate answer is what is actually the truth. So, (laughs) Yes. Cool. So now we're going to get into our overthought for today, which is entitled Queer Relationships Beyond Dating. And if you all don't know already, uh, Riquet and Brad are an item. They're a couple. They are engaged. They are queer. And I, you know, when I saw the post that you, you got engaged, it made me think first, I don't really see this a lot you know, in the, in the community, as far as getting to the point of engagement. And then I also don't really see it posted and celebrated a lot. So not saying it's not happening, but as far as, um, I guess the people I follow and my friends, I'm like, I don't really know a lot of engaged queer couples. And I definitely don't know like older ones that I can, you know, talk to and be inspired by and things like that. So I was like, Ooh, I want to talk to y'all about what has y'all journey been like and how did you get to this point? So um, my first question, I mean, I got to start off with just like, how did y'all meet? But I guess even before that, what were your like dating experiences like until the point that you two both um, met? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll start that one. Um, I would say mine prior to Brad was pretty heteronormal. <laughs> I Brad is actually my mm-hmm. first boyfriend, now fiance. But um, before Brad, I was definitely like on the train of I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and marry a woman and have kids and be in a house by 25 <laughs> with a career and two kids yeah. and that whole kind of aspect. So I didn't I didn't see much of well, I didn't see any kind of gay relationships growing up in regards to male relationships. I didn't see them promoted. I didn't see them publicly. I didn't see them close to my family or friend circle at all. So I didn't know what they looked like or what they could look like. It was never something that I felt like was or could be an option for me in general. So um, because of that, I kind of stuck to the straight and narrow of like dating girls and just going about my <laughs> life in regards to this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I actually mm-hmm. broke, I mean, my girl, my last girlfriend broke up um, while I within my first year in LA and shortly after that's actually when I actually met Brad. So in regards to how, what I saw before Brad, it was like nothing of the sorts. <laughs> it was, um, I saw a few yeah. relationships here and there, but oftentimes by the time I moved to New York, I did, I was introduced to a few um, gay relationships, but they were from older men. 
And uh, most of them were very much kind of closeted still. So they were gay to us or gay to their gay circle, but it's not, they weren't gay at work. They weren't gay to all of their family members. And it was very like, you know, still hush hush in a lot of circles. So it was still like, oh, well, this is clearly obviously not something cool <laughs> to be doing if you guys are well within yeah. your career and still not, you know, walking down the street holding hands or telling everybody that you're in a relationship and you're like, you know, 30 something plus. So it was one of those aspects yeah. I quickly noticed was like, oh, well, maybe it's not actually an option for me. So I'll just stick to the path that I felt like was already predetermined. So dating prior to Brad nice. in regards to the guy spectrum was non-existent for me, at least. <laughs> Got you. So, all right, we got to pause first. I have questions. So my first question is like before then, um, as you're dating women, were you... Were you identifying yourself as bi or you just were, were closeted? You you weren't um, addressing that part of your life or like what was your um, how did you identify at least at that time? So at that time, I feel like this was before you were forced to identify as anything in a sense. <laughs> so I guess it's probably like mm-hmm. um, to like, you know, late 2000, like nine, tens, eleven, things of that nature. And when I actually had my first guy experience sexually, I, before I got back with my girlfriend, I told her this happened. I'm like, all right, this happened. You're going to accept it now so you can move forward because I'm not revisiting this and I'm not revisiting this conversation either. So <laughs> it was one of those aspects. Um, mm. I didn't really identify as any kind of aspect. It was one thing, like I knew it was a sexual attraction there, but I didn't know what else that can equate to. And I didn't have anything tangible to say that, oh, this is what this could turn into. And because of that, I just mm-hmm. went back to what I knew, got me and my girlfriend who were, you know, together off and on for a while. When we got back together, I just told her what happened the past year and let her know. It was like, are we going to be able to move forward? She said yes. So I just kind of did the straight thing again without kind of yeah. actively identifying any of those areas of like what I could or could not identify as. Yo. Oh, man. So many questions. All right. <laughs> Brad, what what was your experience um, before meeting Rakay? Now, my experience before meeting Rakay was a little bit different. Uh, you know, like I knew from earlier on that I was different from everybody else, like all my other friends. Um, I had, you know, feelings for both guys and girls and I dated both guys and girls through, you know, throughout high school and, um, and undergrad. But when I was, when I would date a guy, I would, you know, we kept a hush hush on the DL, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, just because I really wasn't out. I wasn't out. I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know what that meant because for me, when I saw gay people growing up, it was like the very flamboyant gays. And I knew that wasn't me. Um, But it wasn't until I moved up to Atlanta that I really got to saw more more people like me, more people that are, you know, masculine, but are also gay. And then, you know, when I moved to Atlanta, that's when I actually started really accepting that hey you know brad you you might be gay and that's fine with that and um so yeah uh, you know up through atlanta and la you know it was kind of off and on dating couple of relationships um like you know then eventually i found Riquet and then here we are now got you so when you moved to atlanta and you were dating um started to date more men were they more out relationships so you were like out on dates and holding hands and stuff like that? Or was it still kind of closeted? It was closeted to the extent, like I'm not really one for PDA. So I really wasn't Mm -hmm. walking around holding people's hand, holding a guy's hand or, you know, trying to kiss him in public. 
Um, because also, you know, it was even though Atlanta, you know, has this this stereotype mm-hmm. for being one of the the black gay meccas, it was also a time where you honestly could have been beaten up <laughs> for being gay. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Fortunately, it hasn't happened to me, but I've heard stories, I've seen articles and stuff like that mm-hmm. where people were just really gay bashed just because they had something that was different from, you know, yeah. from the straight men or whatever. And I didn't want that for myself. Uh, so I try to fit in as much as I can, you know, when I'm out in public. And then when I'm with my friends, then, you know, I would kind of, you know, gay it up a little bit. Act, you know. Mm-hmm. No, you, you know how we yeah. act when we get up, get with our people and start. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but um, so yeah, like I, I just wasn't like I, I didn't do any of that in public. Yeah, those before stories are extremely similar. Um, do you mind uh, sharing how old you are? If you don't want to, that's fine. Oh, no, that's fine. I'm 35, and I'm 34. Oh, cool. So we're all the same age because I'm 35. <laughs> so mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like, you know, my experience is, was definitely because I didn't really see it is, OK, I don't know what's happening. So I'm just going to be straight. And being DL is how you do this thing. I'm from Louisiana, so like... <laughs> There's like no other option, kind of. At least that's what I felt at the time. So I was definitely like, okay, I'm just going to date women and and call it a day. But also I was like, well, this is a little uncomfortable (laughs) sometimes. So, you know, it's only so long you can go playing like this part before it's like, this is too much. So when I moved to Louisiana, when I moved to California, it opened things up. So, you know, it's really cool that you both are really big on traveling because, that was the key to really me being myself. Cause if I would have stayed in that bubble, I would be like, okay, this is what it is. I probably would have got married. I probably would have had kids a lot earlier and you know, that would have been my life. So it's, it's cool to hear, not cool, but it's interesting to hear like similar stories, even though they're unique to your experience, you know? So thank you for sharing. So you still didn't really say like, how did you actually meet? Like what? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. Like, what what was is there I'll, like I'll, a is there some I'll tea let, or something? Rick to the story and then I will make sure that he is factual. <laughs> he, he has to correct me, obviously apparently when it comes to the fact checking of the story on how we met. But uh <laughs> so um what is this? This is uh 2013. So me and Brad uh we met initially once at a bar in West Hollywood. Um, we did meet at this time. I was out with a friend for his birthday, and Brad was out with a friend as well. We first, we initially met at this bar. Um, both of us were in a relationship, so we weren't like nothing kind of came after us, like having this brief chat. We talked for a little bit um, while we were all like kind of heading back to the car. We sat in the car and like a few, four or five of us all just talked and drank for a little bit. But after that, I didn't see him again. And mainly that was, you know, derived in the point that we both were in relationship at the time. So me still with my ex-girlfriend and him in a relationship as well. Um, fast forward to probably months later, I run into Brad again at a like pregame for a Halloween party. So you're in LA, so you know how big the Halloween scene is. So um, I was in my master's program mm-hmm. at the time at Pepperdine. So I was literally in class like probably three, four days a week um, from like 7 to 10 p.m. or something like that. 
So a good friend of ours was having a Halloween party. So everybody was going to meet at his house to drink. So we all head to the big parade. I think Halloween is probably like on a Thursday or something this year. So we all um, plan to meet at his house. Um, I'm leaving class. I live right next to right next to my friend's house. So I go to his house after class. So I'm not dressed for a costume with family. Just going to say hi to people. Cause I'm planning on going home and go to sleep because I went to work from nine to five and I was a class from seven to 10. And that's it for me. I just come to say hi and make, quick appearance <laughs> so i'm in literally like work clothes and like you know button up shirt and slacks so i'll go in and say hi get there i, I was very early because the pregame started at 10 so i got there for like 10 10 and as i get there i was the only one there and shortly after brad walks in because brad lives directly across the street from our good friend at this time so we're like the only people there and our friend's still getting ready and there's no one else there at this time so we're like we uh started having a conversation started mm-hmm. chatting and <laughs> it was interesting because um, at this point, I was in L.A. for like a year, a, a little You're over a year. shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> but at this, this point, <laughs> this one goes downhill. <laughs> but at this point, um, I was in L.A. for a little over a year. So I'm like, I always had this perception of guys in general. I'm like, everybody's here is like very stereotypical. Everybody's in the entertainment field. Nobody here is about anything for the most part serious. Everybody just here for a good time. We're trying to latch on somebody who's famous so they can, you know, make their way. So when people ask me questions, I was very bland because uh, I'm, I, I came to LA for grad school. So I was there for grad school. So I started my master's at Pepperdine. That's the reason I moved in the first place. So Brad was just asking me, you know, trying to make casual conversation. I was really giving him the cold shoulder the whole time. So he's like, oh, so uh, where you come from? I was like, class. He's like, oh, so what are you in class for? I was like, oh, I'm in a I'm in a master's program. He's like, all right, a master's program <laughs> in what? I'm like, psychology. And what school? I'm like, and at this point, I got conditioned not to say Pepperdine because it's one of those schools everybody feels like, oh. Uh-huh. So I just don't say any yeah. of these things. He's like, oh, what school do you go to? So I'm like, I'm in a master's program at Pepperdine University pursuing my um, master's degree and getting ready to get a doctor right after it. So I did that in a sense to shut him up because <laughs> so I'm asking me questions. <laughs> but he responded like, oh, that's what's up. I'm in a PhD program right now myself. And I was like, oh. You're not one of those regular <laughs> LA people who are out here for nonsense. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and after that, it was just like the conversation continued, and it was just he kept one up me in every category, which normally I one up people in. So he's like, "Oh, what do you work?" I was like, "Oh, I work in Beverly Hills." He's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, me too. Where?" At? I was like, huh, "All right." So um, yeah, I'm at the hospital in Cedar Sinai. He's like, "Great." Right, I'm at Fox, and I'm just like, and every kind of <laughs> thing I say, he kind of one up me a little bit, and I was like, "All right." So I guess he is yeah. kind of interesting. So. Stop being an ass and continue the conversation. <laughs> but um, I was about to say, shout out to you, Brad. I didn't know you had to go through all that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so shady. I love it though. But look, yeah, that look. was very much what I was. But look where we are now. So yeah, it's cool. I was definitely not in the. I'm um, talking to a guy phase. I was definitely not in the phase. I feel like I was ready to like start dating a guy. That was mm-hmm. definitely not on the table. But it just happened. So that night, I, I was not planning on going mm-hmm. to the, the uh, big parade at all. And I actually uh, ended up going out with them because me and him kept talking. He's like, oh, just come out with us. Just come out with us. You can come back with me and X, Y, Z. We can leave early if you get tired. So literally me and him just left, went to the parade. I'm still in regular clothes. Everybody else is all dressed up and drunk and I'm fun. And me and him mm-hmm. literally talked the entire night, walking up and down. We hold up and down the parade. Like just talking, laughing, chatting, playing around. Mm-hmm. Like we've known each other forever. And still like those little masculine tensions going back and forth. I'm like, you know, I'm 
<laughs> you, ain't, I, you ain't talk to me like we dating or nothing. So I feel yeah. very much giving you like all the attitude of <laughs> uh, hyper masculine male. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole yes. ordeal was, uh, it was interesting. And that night, actually, even still after that, that night, we both went home. I, I went home in his Uber. So he ordered the Uber back. So we leave and I leave my phone in the Uber. So the mm, next day, I, <laughs> so the next day I have to hit up our mutual friend to be like, yo, I need my phone. So can you tell that black boy who I was talking to yesterday <laughs> that I need my phone? So I need the mm. Uber's contact. <laughs> and this is where Brad can come in. Cause he likes set that up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So when, when our, when my friend um, sent me sent me the text message, he was like, "Hey, Brad, um, you're okay. The guy that you were talking to yesterday, one of the Uber is um, Uber drivers' information." And I was like, "Okay, cool." But he's also then said, "Well, you know, Rake said, well, technically, it was like that black boy that I was talking to. That's what his number he wanted." So when he, when I when I heard that, I was like, "Oh," because it was also one of those days. I think I was off the next day. So I was um, sitting down, I was actually doing the schoolwork, writing a paper, and I literally looked at that text message and I put that phone down for about a good hour. And I just had it right beside me and then um, <laughs> something in my spirit said, Brad, don't be, don't be petty. So I was like, okay, I'll be, I'll be nice. So I sent him the, um, the Uber driver's information and then um, Rikay's best friend uh, then was like, you know, trying to basically encourage Rikay to actually go and engage in conversation because, you know, Brandon, uh, you know, Rikay's best friend, Brandon, was there the entire time and he saw how happy we were. So it was like, why not just go out on a date? So uh, I think it was Thor 2 was about to come out in theaters. So um, our first date was went over to his spot before he moved. And we actually sat down and watched um, Thor 1 um, before we went to the movies. And uh, then we just kind of caught up and the rest is history. That's so cute. I love it. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Was, was uh, Rikay right, um, Brad? You were trying to confirm everything. Was that cool? Yeah, no, 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 it's a good story. He, he's learned because after a while, he um, he learned that I would correct him when he when he's telling the story. Because you know, so, so the thing about Rick is that like, he loves to tell stories that makes him shine like he is the angel on the innocent one. So I have to bring him back down to reality and make him realize yeah. that you're a little shady. Oh, I mean, embarrassing here and there. It's, you know. it's okay. You know, <laughs> let them know what's up at the beginning. That's what it is. Right. I love it. So, you know, I know our, our talk today is um, beyond dating. So we kind of talked about, um, you know, you, you're dating uh, or how you met. So you dated for how long before um, the engagement? Is that like two years, two or three years? Uh, well, we were together like five years before I proposed, actually. Okay. I think I, okay. what year did I propose? When I proposed in 2018? Yeah, we yeah, were from 2013 and 2018. I proposed in 2018. Okay. We were together since 2013. So. 
Gotcha. Yes, yeah, it's like after five. Right. Yeah, so I remember it being know. a five year mark. So I was like, oh, and I looked up like uh, actually it was like after that the last Christmas. I was like, oh, whew, like five years. Apparently, this is <laughs> going to stick around. Let me get my things gotcha. together and uh, propose by the end of the year. So I actually start planning for like a year in advance. Wow. <laughs> nice. So my question to you is: before we really get into the specifics, like what was your idea? It could be the same, but at least what was your idea of marriage at that time? And I ask this because, and maybe you don't have necessarily the same thought because of how old we are, but obviously there is a period of time for queer couples where marriage was not an option. So they figure out, all right, well, we'll live together. We'll still have kids or a family, whatever we want to do and kind of just figure it out. And then, you know, after the, the bills passed where it was legal, that kind of opened up the door of what uh, uh, our access to marriage can, can be. So I want to know, like, was your idea changed by that? Or it's like I you always wanted to be, be married or, you know, didn't really see it as an option, but it kind of changed. But like, what, what was your ideas of marriage, um, you know, up until that point of actually uh, proposing or being engaged? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, you know, <clears throat> the idea of marriage is like, I knew that I wanted to be married at some point. Um, before the, the laws were passed or the, you know, the bill was changed, um, I didn't see that happening. I just knew that I wanted it to happen because I wanted to be married. Uh, but now that it has passed and gay marriage is legal in the United States, I am relieved not only because I get to love, you know, marry the person that I love, but for all those people who couldn't get married, who helped their spouse or a significant other through, you know, tough times, good times, through sickness, all that stuff, and to have their spouse or their loved one pass away and then their family deny them rights to everything that they, that they rightfully deserve or the, for the, you know, for the state or for the federal government to take away their ability to actually make decisions on behalf of their partner. Being able to now call Rakay my husband removed all those worries and doubts from my head because now I know that I can still live my life and you know, we can live our life together and still have the same rights and equal protections as a regular homosexual, a regular, excuse me, heterosexual couple. So I felt very relieved by that. And I am, you know, I'm can't wait for the day to marry him. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about you, Rakay? Oh man, that was beautiful. Uh, for me, I think um, I always knew I wanted to be married. I always knew I wanted that aspect. I, and for me, it was more so make sure that I do it right. I am a, a child of divorce. So I've seen two divorces within my kind of childhood from like birth to being a teenager. So it's those aspects that after what I witnessed, I, I feel like I know I can do it right. And the biggest obstacle for me, of course, at that time, early on in me and Brad's relationship, was just figuring out how we can do it and what it looked what looked right for us. So after like uh, our first year or two, and we kind of made our own path for what we are and what we look like, it became very easy for me to see what our future could look like, no matter what. So um, 
with the, before, even before the bill, I knew it was going to be one of those situations where we find a way to make one. Like either way, we're going to figure out what we need to do, and that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> so I will say, when the bill passed, it was a sense of relief, <clears throat> and it was something as I look back on now, I do take for granted in regards to how like massive that was for um, everybody outside of us because we are in a we grew we growing up in a time period where we're very lucky to be able to you know even have these kind of podcasts and conversations without <laughs> without being outcast without mm-hmm. being like blackballed in our careers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So. I um, wholeheartedly understand that and am grateful for being in the space that we are in. But for me, um, initially, it was more so one of those things where no matter if it was passed or not, we were going to figure out what we want to do to make sure our happy ending looked like how we want to make it. So um, I was kind of, kind of mixed feelings when it kind of happened because I was already in the mindset that we're going to get married, we're going to make it work, and we're going to do what we want to do just because that's what we want to do. <laughs> nice. Cool. Do you have, um, as a couple, do you have other married queer couples in your circle or um, are you the first ones or like, do you talk to other married couples? Like, where do you get advice? (laughs) Um, I would say in our circle, we are surrounded, we're lucky to be surrounded by a number of black gay couples. So both um, in D.C. and both in L.A. Mm -hmm. when we lived there, we did have a pretty healthy circle, circle of like gay couples, um, not many <clears throat> that were married. There, there are a lot more engagements and marriages recently, like in the past year or two, that we've been blessed to be around. But um, I would say we have a lot of circles that we are part of with black gay couples, but not as many of them are married. So still working on those aspects. We're the first in gotcha. a lot of circles and also the last in some circles in regards to the age gap. So, Gotcha. Cool. So now let's go back real quick to how did you even get here? So you kind of understand what your idea of marriage was, how you um, met each other, your thoughts and experiences before, but what was it in the relationship or about each other that you knew like there is more to this dating thing? There's something else there with this particular person. Like what were those things and and how did you, uh, what was that experience for y'all? Yeah, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Oh, I know for me, uh, let me ask you a question. Just to clarify, you saying, you know, how did I know that Rick is a person I want to marry? Okay. Um, One, because, you know, after listening to his story, I've heard that, you know, from him and his family, that he's followed me all around this world. Um, from childhood, so that's number one. Excuse uh, me, because we've all. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that um, in most places, we've always been in the same place, except for, of course, when I lived abroad. But um, like, as far as like places we lived at or places we visited, we've always passed each other. Like, because uh, there, when I was living 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 in. Um, a suburb, a suburb of Chicago, you know, we did three years in Calumet City. Come to find out, he was like maybe two or three towns or cities away from me. Just one. The entire I, time. I, I... <laughs> oh, yeah, South Island. So he was right there. Um, another time that popped in my head was for New Year's. Um, New Year's, me and my close friends went to Miami and um, we went to a party and he was literally there. But I didn't oh, wow. know him. I didn't know his people. I just remember seeing a group of guys, and it happened to be him. So wow. I think, you know, I think it was fake. But um, 
Yeah. Take that aside. When I met Riquet, I just knew that there was something about him that I feel, and to this day still feel, not only compliments me, but makes me be a better person. Because Riquet puts up with a lot of my bullshit, and I will be the first one to admit that. And I am grateful that... Um, he pushes me and he continues to push me uh, to be a better person, just like I do for him. Uh, I see all the stuff that he wants to do and I see where we could be in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And I think it's that drive, that, you know, that push that I give to him and the push that he gives to me lets me know that we are not only a great team, but we are a great partnership, and he is a great partner to have. Nice. Okay. How are you going to follow up? I know. I'm going to follow up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I'll say on my end, one of the reasons I, it's kind of what Brad mentioned, why I keep choosing Brad is um, I'm able to see like the constant growth. So I'm able to clearly like see what, I can be as an individual and what my growth can be as an individual and what we can be as a unit in the future. So that is something that made it very easy for me early on to kind of keep choosing Brad simply because whenever an obstacle came in our path, whenever something kind of came up, I was like, oh, this may ruin it or this may ruin us. So what if we have to move or anything like that? He always Mm -hmm. talked it through. It was like always one of those things. All right, let's figure it out. If you're going to go abroad for school, well, I can switch a job to abroad as well. If you're going to do this, we can figure this out as well. Like it was always like it wasn't met with another obstacle. It was met with, okay, how are we going to get through it? instead of like getting around it. So that was one of the things I like very early on appreciate it because I feel like it's a quality that I have and to find that in someone who I actually I care about deeply, it was great to see because I felt like I can one, be my 100% self with him at all times in addition to knowing that whatever I might change into that he will still be there and vice versa. So that aspect of understanding yeah. that I'm going to change certain aspects of me might change in the future and he's still going to be there so we can change and adjust together both individually and as a unit is um Something that's been sticking out and has continued to stick out with Brad. I feel like it just makes it easy to see what the future looks like. So I have no no problem choosing him every day because it just makes it very easy to say, I can see what this is going to be like in the future through the good, bad, or the ugly. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you say, like, you're, you're choosing every day because it's, it's always a decision, but it's, like, a beautiful decision. So it's, it's really cool that you, you even mentioned that. Um, I was going to say... In regards to, I'm trying to remember, I kind of lost my thought. Um, I was like so into what you were saying. But um, for people who are overthinkers or uh, tend to overthink, uh, what advice do you have for those who, maybe just scrap the overthinking part, just like for those who are trying to maybe be married. And I know in the queer world, I know there's probably a big group of, of queer black men out there, queer people out there in general who are like, how do I get there? So what advice do you have for those who are really maybe stuck in the dating world and can't get beyond it? Uh, for me, I, one of the first things that I always kind of think about is like to let go whatever like initial checklist you have <laughs> or initial like checklist you have for the other person that you want to eventually be in a relationship with. Oftentimes people go into situationships or going into relationships with the mindset of, oh, I just need to find this person who fits this piece of my puzzle and not taking consideration that you're not 
putting someone in your puzzle, you started a whole new puzzle. <laughs> like this is not something where you're going to find someone who fits mm-hmm. perfectly within your space because they're coming from their own space as well. And what you need to do is find someone who you guys can start creating your own puzzle with. So it's one of those aspects that I often tell people, um, like, don't try to like create someone for this, like create this person in your head and then look for that person that you create in your head. Cause that good chance that person is not going to be out there. That person has a different worldview, came from a different background, grew up somewhere else. Like <laughs> they're going to be coming to the table with a lot of mm-hmm. new things in general. And you need to be open and aware of like what that looks like and what it looks like for YouTube to be a unit and not for what it looks like somebody to fit into your perfect unit, your perfect space. And oftentimes when people ask us a simple question, like, Oh, I want exactly what you guys have. I like quickly say, and not in a rude or abrupt way, but more so mm-hmm. in the case of what we have is, are just because of who we are and what our experience brought to the table. It's going to be totally different for everyone else. So of course it can be things that you might idolize or might think is good quality that you want to kind of model your relationship by. But when you meet that person or you meet whoever that is for you, that's going to be something that you guys are building and developing. And it's going to be brand new. It's not something that's going to be preset in stone or something rule book or guidebook that you can use to follow. It's literally going to be something that you guys are making as you go. And you just have to really, really be open to that aspect and that aspect of the unknown of what your relationship could look like with this person, what your relationship might be in a few years, this person, instead of trying to plan it out. (laughs) Cause as with me being a big planner and like laying everything out in stone, um, I had, that was one of the big obstacles I had to get over. Like I can't like, plan out what this is i can't predict a whole nother human's future (laughs) outside of my own in regards to what this should look like let alone force them to be with in my perfect puzzle to fit in my story and my storyline that i've been creating for the past 10 20 plus years so it's like just being open and honest about okay are you going to let these walls down to allow something new to actually develop and learn along the way and realize that you're probably going to become a different person at the end of it so yes yes that is so key like that has probably been the biggest thing for me in my relationship now. I, I, actually, this is the first um, guy that I've been in a relationship relationship with. Like, this is my boyfriend. Um, and that has been our thing, too. Like, and, you know, for us, it's like a growth mindset. And with that is the idea that you are open to change. I'm going to be different. You're going to be different. Collectively, we're going to be different. And we're committed to understanding that. And growing through that and, and making it, it work. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, what about you, Brad? Um, I would echo everything that, <clears throat> excuse me, echo everything that Rikay just said. Um, but I would also add um, the importance of, you know, knowing yourself and healing whatever wounds or issues that you might have before getting into a relationship. Um because it is easy for you to lose yourself in a relationship because you are, you know, trying to, you know, please your other, you know, please your partner, make sure your partner's happy, do all this other, you know, all this other stuff. Then, like at first, you might be okay with it, but years go down the line, you end up, you know, either hating yourself or you know, resenting your partner because you've kind of lost yourself in your partner. So you know, knowing yourself, you know, being open to, um, you know, seeking feedback from a, you know, a therapist or you know, a close friend or whomever, but just making sure that, you know, you are like, you are the best version of you that you're bringing to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that I think has been key. And that's, well, that's one of the things that helped, you know, Rikay and I, 
is um you know because i do remember <laughs> i remember this when um Rikay, you know when we were talking about marriage and all that stuff before you even propose um, one of the things that you know, i decided to do was to uh, see a therapist I'm not saying that i was crazy but i felt you know i felt internally that there were some things that i needed to work out before i entered into a union with another person and after seeing the therapist and you know talking things through and healing i then became open and more receptive and actually able not only to love someone but to feel love from someone and i think that I think that's something that a lot of people are missing is that they're just not willing to heal before they enter into something that's you know could be permanent yeah well, probably a lot of people don't know that they need to be healed. I think a lot of people like, I'm, I'm good. I don't need therapy. Or they they go off of, like, I feel fine. I'm like, you know, I did therapy last year. The same thing. I was like, well, I don't feel like anything is happening, but let's see what happens, you know, and things happened. I was like, oh, well, I was there for a year. I was going to, you know, stop. And then I was like, actually, I need to go a little bit longer. And I was there, like, another six months. So, yes. The self-work and the growth that Rikay was talking about are both like really good uh, pieces of advice. So kind of to wrap things up, like, do y'all have any, you know, final thoughts or words of advice or anything that you want to share with people regarding, um, you know, beyond dating in the queer life? (laughs) Um, For me, I would say um, one of the things people always ask us in regards to how do we make it work, I would definitely say communication is key. So that's something I think most people who've been in long-term relationships say, but definitely uh, um, agree that communication is key. So oftentimes when it comes to relationships, people feel like they're, um, there should be like limitations to what the other can or cannot do. And when those aspects of communication, I feel like needs to maintain open is you have to be open to kind of receive anything that your partner wants to kind of bring the table to talk about. The minute you start closing conversations off or saying that we can't even discuss this is when things might go awry. So being open mm-hmm. to um, being very clear about communication, being key about everything needs to be discussed. Everything can continuously and should probably continuously be discussed within your relationship. And outside of that, it's just like start doing the work to unlearn what you don't know. So uh, we all are black gay men. We've mm-hmm. grown up in households that probably weren't welcoming. We've worked in places that probably were not welcoming. We've been in environments that were not welcoming. There's a lot that we have eternalized and we haven't realized that this is like things that we need to start unlearning. And everybody needs to do work in these certain areas to unlearn. Even myself, I'm still doing work to unlearn uh, years and years of <laughs> internalized aspects of what I felt like the um, homosexual community was and is about. So it's one of those aspects I definitely say, um, do the work to start unlearning what you need to unlearn and keep in mind that communication is key. And that goes outside of just intimate relationships, but your general relationships as well. If you're having hard times maintaining relationships with family members and close friends, then it's probably be very consistent when you start a relationship as well. <laughs> so it's like one of those aspects to make sure that you're actually yeah. doing the work on all ends of yourself to see is what is it that you need to tweak? Because we all have things that we can um, use some adjustments and some improvements on. So being open to realizing that you're not perfect and doing the work behind it because we're long beyond the time where we can just lean on the trauma of what's happening in generations mm-hmm. past. We are now yeah. have the ability and the access to get the work done and do better. So now is the time period to do better. Do better. Mm-hmm. Brad, any final uh, thoughts for you? Final thoughts um, would be to do um, really 
by your relationship or the relationship that you build is unique to you and your partner. Just like the relationship that you have with one friend might be unique just between you and him, and it might be a little bit different from you and another friend. So I said to say that to say, you know, don't try to emulate a relationship that you see on social media or a relationship that you see on TV or a relationship that you read in a newspaper, whatever the case might be, um, because you have no idea all the work it took just to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Instead, be you, you know, as you're being yourself, hopefully your partner is doing the same. And then one, when both you know, individuals are, you know, being the individual selves, you'll start to see a unity form. And that's how a relationship, a substantial, you know, solid relationship is built. It's because you guys have built something that you wanted and not something that society wants. So just kind of keep that in mind that, you know, as we're going out or as we're going out, you know, engaging in conversations or dating other people, just be your authentic self. If that person doesn't like you, oh, well, I'm pretty sure there's somebody else that would, but don't try to dim your light to, to fit somebody else. No, be yourself, do it, do what makes you feel happy and the relationship will come. It definitely will. Come on with the gym. I love it. Yeah, it's so funny, too, because, like, on Instagram, you know, y'all have y'all hashtag Brico, and everyone, you may not know what it, it took to get to that, you know? So you're seeing these the nice images or whatever, but, you know, you're real people behind those posts. So, yeah, it's, it's really good to dive into these conversations or this particular conversation with y'all. I do want to ask one last question, too, is, uh, you know, after being engaged, and, you know, obviously there's going to be a wedding and stuff like that. How has it been with like family stuff? Like is, is family ready to, to jump on board with the wedding or it's. Our family is trying to get this down the line faster than we are. <laughs> okay. Like, like it's, it's gotten to a point now. My mom was like, Hey, I know you guys are still like basically, basically saying we're still out in the streets. So if you want to, you know, raise a kid, you guys can go ahead and just like drop the kid off at our house and we can, you can pick him up in a couple of years or something. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, it's a basic proposal to just have the kid now so we can take care of it. I was like, what? That's not how that works. <laughs> we are the dads. <laughs> yeah, the same with the wedding. It's like, you know, what does this happen? What does this happen? And like, of course, with us, um, when I proposed, I wasn't, when I, I planned to propose like a whole year in advance, but like right after that, like our like lives blew up. Brad got a new job. We had to move to the East Coast and mm-hmm. these switches are happening. My, I'm, now in dissertation phase my doctorate so it's like all these other life things are happening that is postponing the actual wedding aspect but that is not stopping our yeah. like family and close friends like oh just like just do everything just do it already just like just do it just because like we're gonna do this on our own time and when we actually can manage all these yeah. things at once because right now it's a lot happening opening like, school yeah. doctorates he's competing in competitions and job changes it's like yeah. we need to make Y'all sure busy. it's right when it's happening <laughs> for us before we drive each other crazy yes. <laughs> Yes, y'all are booked and busy. I already know. <laughs> yeah, but that's cool that y'all have the, su- the support of your family during a really great and beautiful celebration. You know, celebration of love and you know union. So I'm I'm glad that y'all have that support from your family. It's really 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 cool. Thank so, you. 
yeah, so that is our overthought part. We're going to wrap things up. So we're actually filming, the, or not filming, we're recording this episode on the last day of Pride. Um, so my question to everyone this month was, you know, who is uh, a gay influence in your life who has been an inspiration to you, you know, growing up or even now? So do either of you have uh, a queer inspiration? Um, I would say for me, um, I'll probably put it in two realms. So it's two sets of people. I would say for me, um, definitely my gay parents. They're like the first gay couple I met when I first moved to New York. And they were my first example of what a gay relationship could look like, like like inter- inter- internally in regards to, you know, they live together, you know, they did everything together day to day basis. And like seeing them like in their private space and how they kind of interacted was like very like, eye-opening for me because before that time I didn't see what that could look like so even though they um it, it, it remained in those private spaces and I saw something very different in public it was still like uh the inkling that I needed to see like oh well this can be something or this can potentially you know happen in the future so um for me I would definitely say like my gay parents mm-hmm. um who now live in uh in Georgia they just moved from LA and the other person, me, I would actually say is a little nod. Did like, you say you're a gay parent? Yes. I call my gay parents basically who introduced me to the gay world in general. <laughs> so not my biological parents, Got but you. my gay parents. Oh. <laughs> and then Lil Nas X. <laughs> yeah, I would just say Lil Nas just because of the boldness of mm-hmm. what he's been doing recently. Mm-hmm. I would, like love that, what he's been like kind of projecting out to the public and showing that, making it forcing it to be more normalized because yeah. this is something what he's doing is what people have been getting shut out for doing for centuries. So like him being as bold and brave he's, as w- what he's been doing recently has been great. And just like shutting all those doors to the homophobia and also bringing up the internalized homophobia that you see our community yes. is still holding yes. on to. <laughs> in, oh in my so I like that the conversations are happening. So people are like seeing like, okay, maybe there's some things I need to unlearn and kind of check mm-hmm. because I was still in the mindset of trying to follow this heteronormative kind of narrative for my life. And I'm still not all the way out of that space, even mm-hmm. though I'm like, you know, post a pride or even though I'm like, you know, fitting this kind of, I'm out at work, but it's still things that, mm-hmm. you know, we might still need to work on. Mm-hmm. So I love him for kind of being the pioneer of starting to get these conversations more open and widespread within our generation yeah. right now. He's also a really good troll. If you just read his stuff, yes. he's like, you better yes. troll. It's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Like, if I was not, like, yeah. planning on writing a school in the future, I would have so much not to sell the internet. Oh my <laughs> like, uh, so good. I was reading his stuff yesterday. I'm like, this is this could be a book. I'm, I'm here for it. It's quality. It's quality, <laughs> right? quality trolling. Quality trolling. What about you, Brad? <laughs> Who's your uh, gay influence? Oh, uh, I was going to say Lil Nas X because but the case so all for the same reasons. I I, I, I uh-huh. love him. I love him. I love everything that I love everything about him. I love his boldness, his his ability to to push the envelope and make people uncomfortable, force them to have those mm-hmm. discussions. I'm all for it. Um, but one of my I would say recent gay inspirations. I want to say recent because um, I've I've actually met um, him a while back. Was uh, was Billy Porter? He probably, I'm sure he won't remember this, mm-hmm. but I actually met him. Actually, me and Rickade met him once in West Hollywood, um, walking around. I think we were leaving a bar or something, and he was just walking around. And he was super cool, and he just sparked up a conversation. This was, um, I think, when he was on Pose or some uh, one of um, another Ryan Murphy show. But either way it goes, you know. We met him, he was super cool. And the reason why I really, really appreciate him is because he is 
you know, pushing the pushing the envelope, pushing you know the the the, the limits on on what queer means, and um, you know mm-hmm. what does it look like, and how how do, how is it embodied, and basically showing that you know. It's okay. Like, you know, if, if you want to be, if you're a guy or you want to wear a dress or you want to be flamboyant or you want to express yourself however you want to express yourself, it is totally fine. It's totally fine. And you have five people that are hating, but you will have a thousand people that are encouraging, encouraging you on. So I support, you know, yeah. everything that Billy Porter has done and I can't wait to see him in more stuff. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing. So, Yes, this we're getting closer to the end. Um, do y'all have you know Instagram? Like, how do you want people to follow you? What y- what y'all got going on? Let let us know. <laughs> uh, well, social media is time to change this stuff eventually. But <laughs> uh, social media is now underscore boarding three. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we do have a hashtag uh, Brico underscore B R I C O underscore, and it's just something that we always tag our like pictures on um anytime we like a couple pictures or we go out on dates and things like that and one of the reasons is just like as as we mentioned earlier on this call is like just the visibility so it's nothing to brag or boast about but i know that i did not see any of these things growing up and i could just imagine yeah. coming across a hashtag like ours when i was younger and be like oh my god i can go yeah. on dates with guys and <laughs> go be doing random stuff with guys or my gay friends and things of that nature it would have yeah. kind of meant the world to me at that age to see so um if anyone wants to kind of follow that hashtag that's cool uh, as i also mentioned um open up a school soon so um phoenix school of the phoenix international school of the arts here in charles county maryland so if any kind of following or support you want to do with that it will be needed over the next year as we're gearing up for our opening in fall 2022 and uh yeah that's it for me so my instagram is not complicated it's just uh dr underscore mccray so that's dr underscore mccray m-c-r-a-e uh, you can follow me um, you know, my stories are my posts and stories are very random. It's just my life, which is usually just random fun stuff. That's how it should be. <laughs> so it's how always, it should be. It's always random. So you might get a, a fitness pick. You might get a pick at me at a pool, at a beach, or sitting around the house. Yeah, you know, it's just random fun stuff. Cool. That's what's up. Well. Thank you all again for coming on the show. It was really, really good to just dive into your stories, how you got here, you sharing advice and things like that. I think um, those listening would definitely be inspired. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, please subscribe to The Great Overthinker on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at The Great Overthinker. If you have any questions or would like to potentially be on the show as a guest, please visit our website, thegreatoverthinker.com. Until next time, bye, y'all.